0: And now I will introduce today's guests. Ladies and gentlemen, what can I say about Canadian healthcare that hasn't already been said? Its praises have been sung the world over, and so too have its pitfalls. How best to ensure effective, universal, sustainable, and affordable healthcare is one of the most hotly debated questions on our tongues, and will continue to be for a while to come. I, for the moment at least, will leave the diagnoses, prognoses and prescriptions to the experts in the room. The experts of whom I speak are among the most gifted and devoted leaders Canada has to offer. The kind of leaders organizations from every sector would die to have at the helm. Thankfully for us and for our families, they chose healthcare. Today you will be hearing from three very talented executives who are making a tremendous impact at leading institutions in the country. They'll discuss not only their careers, but how their special leadership styles, their unique understanding and long-range vision, are bringing about a new era of caring, accountability, and service delivery in our hospitals and caregiving institutions. Janet Davidson is President and CEO of Trillium Healthcare in Mississauga. Janet has a staggering list of accomplishments, awards, and credentials. She has worked and volunteered in healthcare for over 25 years in Alberta, British Columbia, and Ontario. She now oversees one of the largest and most respected community hospitals in the country. Mary Jo Haddad began her career as a neonatal nurse at Children's Hospital of Michigan. She's been at Toronto's own SickKids for over 25 years in several pivotal positions, and has been its President and CEO since 2004. Mary Jo holds many board and chair positions and lectures at the University of Toronto's Department of Health Policy, Management and Evaluation, and at the Rotman School of Business. Dr. Catherine Zahn is President and CEO of the Centre for Addiction and Mental Health. CAMH has become an undisputed world leader in restoring dignity and vitality to people affected by addiction and mental health issues. Like our other panelists, Dr. Zahn's 25-year career is marked by outstanding accomplishments. A skilled and widely researched administrator, she is also a neurologist. Her leadership in everything from hospital integration to technology assessment and stroke care has contributed enormously to improvements in care, facilities, and treatment. We are honored to have Roger Martin. Dean of the Rotman School of Business, of Management, sorry, at the University of Toronto as our moderator today. Known to many as the King of Cool, <laughs> Dean Martin doubles as one of North America's foremost authorities on business design, integrative thinking, and social innovation. We are thrilled to have him here today. And ladies and gentlemen, I would be thrilled if you would join me in welcoming our four special guests to the stage.
1: Well thank you very much for the introduction and I am looking forward to this, I'm lucky to be on stage with three such talented CEOs. Uh, What we're going to do by way of format is each of them are going to say a few words to get us going and uh, then we'll have a conversation based on what they've talked about and we'll save a little bit of time for a couple of questions at the end. So with no further ado, Janet, can I turn it over to you to get us started?
2: Well, thank you very much, uh, Roger. I thought maybe I'd give a brief history of women's leadership in healthcare. Um, from my point of view, though, I don't think this should be about gender, uh, quite honestly. It's about leadership, not gender. Uh, that being said, of course, I have taken take the opportunity to say a few words about women in leadership positions in healthcare, uh, not just in this country, uh, but around the world. Uh, first of all, women have been around a long time, women leaders. <laughs> Um, Florence Nightingale, believe it or not, introduced the concept of a hospital to begin with. Uh, The healthcare industry itself is populated uh, uh, by women. They make up the largest proportion of our workforce in healthcare, uh, and they now make up the largest proportion of students enrolled uh, in healthcare programs, not just in Canada, uh, but certainly in the developed world. Women make up slightly more than 50% of the population, so to leave them out of the uh, leadership uh, ranks, in my view, uh, seems a little bit uh, uh, short-sighted because you're actually depriving yourself of 50% or more of the intellectual capital uh, that's available. Women are also uh, major leaders in healthcare uh, in this country and have been outside of Ontario. They actually lead or have led uh, the largest health systems in the country. So starting from the west, you'll look at Ida Goodrow who led a two point plus billion dollar system in Vancouver, Alinda Cranston in Vancouver as well, Sheila uh, uh, Wetherill in um, Alberta, we have Maura Davies in Saskatoon, uh, we have uh, uh, Halifax, uh, QE2, uh, we have uh, Eastern Newfoundland, uh, so these are all uh, uh, led by women. We have the, the largest medical school in the country, University of Toronto, uh, Dean Whiteside, Kathy Whiteside, I believe is here today. Uh, um, she heads up that program and more recently, the Institute for Healthcare Improvement, uh, Dawn Berwick's replacement uh, is a woman. And the head of the Centre for Innovation in the NHS uh, is also a woman. So I think we uh, uh, we do play a uh, uh, a very uh, strong leadership role in healthcare. Um, but I I always uh, just in closing I'd make the comment that um, one thing that's always struck me is somehow we never feel the need to say a male CEO, but uh, but when it comes to a female we always usually uh, have the. Uh, the gender in advance of that. So I'll shut up there and move on to Thank you, Catherine. Janet.
1: <laughs> Catherine. <laughs> Thanks, Roger.
3: So it's an absolute pleasure to be here. My assigned task was to uh, talk about our opinion of the uh, characteristics of a powerful leader. And uh, as Janet pointed out, we also decided that uh, we should speak about them without qualification. Leaders, period, full stop, no asterisks. So I'll start with an anecdote. Several years ago, I was sitting in a forum like this, uh, and my table mate was a retired U of T professor. And he explained to me that he had, for many years, been in the position to hire leaders to do searches and uh, make leadership appointments. And his opinion was that there are only two qualities that are necessary for great leadership. And they were robust, good health, and thick skin. We reflected on that as a, as, as a group and uh, decided that while those uh, characteristics were necessary uh, in healthcare today, in the complex, complicated world of uh, fast-moving healthcare, they were probably necessary but not sufficient. So the uh, the uh, complementarity to that is that. Uh, uh, I want you to uh, believe that uh, healthcare leadership, like all leadership, has some very specific characteristics. And in its brief form, it's uh, it's uh, driven by values, it's guided by vision, and it encompasses a small number of of uh, characteristics that are important attributes of a leader. The three that uh, that I'm going to uh, argue are the most important are first of all skilled communication, the ability to be articulate in public and on a one-to-one basis, but also to uh, hear, to be empathetic and to be able to use your intuition to make the uh, appropriate connections in that cycle of, of communication. The second is uh, perhaps one of the uh, most important concepts, and it's, uh, it's almost the partner to uh, a good communication, and it's the, uh, it's the concept of being self-aware And in control the ability to uh, understand your emotions and to modulate them and to uh, use them for the good and lastly the uh, the concept of creativity Uh, the idea that it's important to be flexible both cognitively and uh, and and emotionally to be open-minded to see the world as continually wondrous and, and and full of possibility and lastly to reject the aphorism that if it ain't broke, don't fix it. If something's working well, take it apart, dissect it,
4: make it better, and duplicate it.
1: Wonderful, thank you very much. Mayor Joe.
4: So let me build on that and talk about the future leader in healthcare. We heard a little bit about complexity, we heard a little bit about um, Canada and how uh, proud we are of our healthcare system and we think about what's facing us today and perhaps what will face us uh, in the long term. So what should the future aspiring leader in healthcare be thinking about? Um, There's no question that as we think about complexity, um, healthcare in, in our opinion, and I think in many opinions of the people who sit on our boards, truly is one of the most complex organizations that anyone will ever lead. And I say that from the perspective of what we expect as Canadians from our healthcare system what we expect from each other in terms of leadership and what that means and looks like. When we talk also about that, that next leader, so the leader, the successful leader of today, the successful leader of tomorrow, it's about vision. It's about sticking with your values, staying grounded on those values. It's about recognizing that through our education and our, the opportunities that were afforded in our country that we can't always think about what's the job, what's the next job gonna look like, or I aspire to have this particular position. So I think mentorship and coaching is a privilege that we hold as leaders. Um, It's also an expectation that we hold of ourselves in ensuring that the leaders of tomorrow really understand what leadership is about, not just leadership in a hospital, but leadership in healthcare, leadership in complex organizations, where people today demand more than they did yesterday and will absolutely demand more tomorrow. That's an understanding. So what are, those, what are those attributes? It's about knowledge. There's no question about that. It's about, again, having a passion for what you do and finding what that skill is, and as Catherine said, knowing who you are, staying thoughtful about that and, learn, and taking advantage of the, the learnings that, uh, that come your way. I think also as we look at... Um, Mentorship and coaching, they're words that are often overused. So clarity about what, what truly is mentorship and how do we as leaders think about leadership. It should probably be one of the top three things on our agendas as hospital CEOs or as leaders in the sector because our obligation is to ensure that health care tomorrow is greater than it is today. And part of that is ensuring that we're developing the right leadership for the future.
1: Thank you thank you for for all of those things to get us started and i and I'd, I'd love to go back and cover some of each of the ground and, and if I can start in the following place and, and i'll go back i've learned about hospitals a little bit uh, as a director of of sick kids and when I got to sick kids, uh, I was confused as heck, and I, I overlapped with uh, uh, with uh, uh, mary joe 's time as, as c e o and Mary Joe will probably remember me asking her about. The organization chart, and I, and I sort of said, "Well, um, do these chiefs do they like do they like report to those VPs?" Oh, no, no, no. They well, do the VPs uh, do they report to those uh, chiefs? No, no, no. And I'm like, "Oh, oh! I, I, I'm supposed to be a, like a management expert, and I, I can't read this. I can't read this organization chart." And uh, and uh, I came to the con- 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 conclusion from those conversations that. Uh, sort of the ability, if we use sort of uh, sort of uh, kind of international conflict kind of terms, the ability to use hard power to get things done in hospitals is about zero, uh, and it's all about it's all about exercising some kind of soft power in that complex uh, uh, organization. Um, how, how do you how do you? Well, first of all, one is that is that, is that uh, kind of more right than wrong, and and, and how do you develop that? Skill to manage these organizations, where sort of nobody really seems to report to anybody, and 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 all the while, and all the while uh, you know, people are going to die uh, if 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 you don't do it right. So there's massive pressure and not not much uh, 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 clarity. How how do you develop how did you develop your skills to manage that?
4: So can I take a stab? Since he yeah. started with security? <laughs> We all know what we're doing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, think, I
1: noticed that. I mean.
4: But I think what's I think a really important points around um, how do you manage in such complexity? There are there's no question that you know structures should enable you to get the work done. And you know if you peel back the onion, and I, I, I commented very briefly on vision and direction and any complex successful organization needs to have clarity and focus on what are we all there to do so part of this I think is really articulating uh, clearly a vision and, and organizing yourself in a way however complex or simple healthcare organization is that you happen to lead organizing yourself in a way that it's clear to people why they're there it's clear to people how the vision, the, the, the priorities one sets, and the values that one articulates affects them in their day-to-day job. And then those structures, and if you look around each, ho- each hospital, each healthcare organi- organization, they're somewhat different. Because part, a big part of, hospitals have been around a very long time. Yeah. A big part of hospitals is culture, and a big part of hospitals is understanding what it's gonna take in that particular organization to make a difference. I agree with everything uh, uh,
3: Mary Jo said, but I wouldn't want people to walk out of the room believing that there's no structure in terms of how we take care of, of, of people. Because at, at that level, there is actually a significant amount of structure. But as, as uh, Mary Jo pointed out, where it becomes a bit more ambiguous is uh, when you have to deal with a number of, uh, character, a number of characters uh, that have different roles in the organization that are more than matrices. Uh, They, one person can report to another in one role, and it can be the opposite in 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 another role. It becomes it becomes that idiosyncratic, but the but the leadership characteristic that's uh, necessary is is, uh, uh, again very very simply leading from your vision and your values, but also having a great deal of comfort with that level of ambiguity. And I would say that uh, compared with a more structured industry, uh, what, it means on a, uh, what it means on a day-to-day basis is it takes a lot more time. There's more relationship building and more attention to the, the factors that uh, uh, allow you to be influential uh, as opposed to uh, um,
2: uh, command and control powerful. I mean, I certainly would agree. I, I think the, um, the critical thing in healthcare, well, there are probably two things. One, as Mary Jo said, there, there is a structure, but it, it's, more, uh, it's more there to actually help you than to, to be kind of rigid to say so-and-so reports to who. Uh, but I think it's the fact that, that healthcare really is a people business. Uh, I mean, we often hear talks about healthcare, and we see the latest piece of equipment uh, and the latest building and the latest whatever it might be. Those are important, but they are at base, health care is all about a relationship between an individual and either the patient directly that they might be providing care to or people who are supporting people giving care. So, uh, um, uh, Catherine made a comment earlier about uh, one of the attru- attributes being uh, good communication interpersonal skills. It is absolutely essential. Uh, but Although the organizations are complex, at least in my experience, one of the things that's uh, that's a constant joy to me uh, and a reassurance is the fact that 99.99, like Ivory Soap, uh, a percent of the people who go into healthcare go in it because they actually want to make a positive contribution in the lives of other people. Uh, whether it's somebody working in the finance office, whether it's a, a rehab specialist on an inpatient unit, uh, whether it's a physician in an outpatient clinic—doesn't matter what it is—they all actually are driven to uh, uh, to provide the best thing that they can care to patients. And so when you have that, that actually allows you to get around a lot of stuff uh, that you might not be able to uh, to do otherwise. So uh, in some ways, when you create a vision and you have a vision that people can align around, uh, there isn't... Uh, there's very di- little disagreement about what the purpose is that you're trying to achieve. Yeah.
1: So I hear three people who are incredibly comfortable with complexity and ambiguity, uh, and. That's probably why you're fantastic uh, CEOs. How, how did you get that way? What 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 was what's the development path that that gets you to that? Because because I mean I, I would I would probably argue that uh, there aren't there aren't lots of whatever uh, uh, training programs on complexity and ambiguity. There probably need to be more. Uh, <laughs> Uh, are there organizational structures within with, uh, uh, within your uh, organizations that promote people learning those skills, but how, how, how do you get, I can understand the idealized state that you want to be in, which is being able to handle that, but in most organizations, right, most of the time, uh, uh, they have a, a, a great difficulty in dealing with those two things. And so they create, most organizations create uh, you know, structures that I think are too rigid to get rid of ambiguity and, and complexity to their detriment. You guys are saying we absorb it, we, we just say that's the way it is. How did you get that way? Catherine?
3: Well, I think uh, it's a combination of uh, I think probably your genetic makeup, your ba- your background, and your and your life experiences. And I, I explained to people that I've I've actually had a a, a, a fairly easy life. I have no uh, particular wounds to heal, and so I can bring all of my uh, emotional energy to uh, uh, to the job that I have to do. But there's also there, there's also a certain uh, 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 thinking character that is different in people. I'm by trade a neurologist and uh, when I'm asked why I chose that, uh, my First of all, I, don't, I, n- I never know exactly how to, how to answer, but when I do answer, I say it's because, because it looked like a puzzle to me. It looked like, uh, uh, it, it looked like uh, uh, an area where I could use my uh, problem-solving skills and uh, the things that I knew about myself, the, the, again, that self-awareness and uh, ability to control my, my directions to, uh, to develop those skills. And then I think probably all of us just simply have more and more experiences where those behaviors and skills work and you gain more confidence and more comfort with it, and uh, it, it
4: continues to build. I think there's, there's also, if you think fundamental to health care is the relationship with the patient. And how complex is that? It's at their most vulnerable stage, especially when they're in an acute care setting, and then when they're leaving and they're going into, um, back into the home, and that relationship is even more complex. So if you really think about what is fundamental to how our roles as healthcare providers—it really is the complexity of that relationship. So, if you, I think part of this is also about um, our grassroots. Where did we? Where were our experiences? So, nurse, physician—you really understand the complexity of a relationship, which really builds. It brings a whole different dimension to the way you one manages in a in a, in a sense a one-on-one, or one manages within a team who are all there. Sometimes tripping over each other when we don't have role clarity on how does one deliver on that, I and mean, then I think you take that up into a much broader organization, and if you have that fundamental underpinning, of that understanding, it makes this a little bit, I'd say, a lot more manageable.
2: Yeah, I mean, for me, um, certainly the fact that I've that I've traveled around the world and, and done things in healthcare, I think is. Uh, uh, has been an advantage, and the fact that I've, uh, I mean, I look back now and think uh, my experience in the government of Alberta in healthcare was very valuable because you certainly do learn to be a pragmatist, uh, uh, you know, about what you can achieve and what you can't achieve. Uh, and so uh, I think I've always been interested in challenges uh, and changes, and so I think that uh, that does give you, uh, uh, I think it probably uh, provides you with a with a better grounding for managing in healthcare, which is uh, which is not easily definable, as you said earlier, Roger, uh, but I think it certainly helps in the environment that we're in now.
3: I'd say, Roger, also
2: that it's a it's a combination uh, of of uh, of
3: two concepts. One is being optimistic, and the other is uh, being fatalistic. Is, is as Janet pointed out, understanding where you can move things and where you have to accept what is uh, what what's put put before you.
2: And working with other CEOs, I think, and uh, um, um, certainly I've made a, a practice to uh, uh, to develop a kind of a group around me that I can talk to. Uh, some are CEOs, uh, some are, are mentors, and uh, are people who've been important to me over my career uh, that I think have been able to provide me with a perspective that's allowed me to, uh, uh, to handle some of this a bit better.
1: Can I go to creativity? You mentioned that, Catherine, and, um, you know, in my experience in lots of companies, uh, they'll make an excuse about, I mean, lots of companies are scared of being creative and creativity, and so they make an excuse, well, you know, it's tough economic times, you can't be creative now, you know, when everything goes fine, we'll, we'll, we'll get creative, and... Uh, you know, it's a lame excuse, but I, I, I could well imagine, right, in, in a hospital setting, you know, lives are on the line, it, it, every, it, there's, no, there's no time when there's not, there's, uh, not serious, difficult, uh, challenging issues. H- how, do you, how do you spur a culture of creativity in, 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 an, in an environment like that where, where everything's immediate and you've got to do things well and, and, and lives are in the balance?
3: In a simple way, the, that's painting the picture of what the endpoint should look like uh, in a time of difficulty. And I think most theorists on this would uh, understand that most creativity blossoms in uh, difficult times, not yeah. in the, not in the simple times. So, so, so setting the challenge before your team and uh, putting out the call for new ideas. Uh, in, in all of our organizations, I think one of the, one of the uh, uh, common ways this plays out is uh, with respect to our budgets. When we have a challenge, when we have a financial challenge, uh, our, our goal is to take care of as many people as we can within the envelope that we have available to us. And So the challenge goes out to our team, to our physicians, to uh, uh, come up with ideas. And uh, I, I'm, I'm never disappointed. I've never been disappointed by the, uh, uh, by the ability of a lot of smart people in healthcare stepping up to the plate and uh, understanding that, that um, it's a risk-taking organization and that that means that sometimes things don't work out. You go back to the drawing board and circle back. You can accept process failure, you just can't accept outcome failure.
2: Well, and, and certainly uh, from my perspective, I mean, uh, uh... being able to encourage creativity's never been a challenge it's uh... you know how do you manage the number of creative ideas that come forward in a in a reasonable way i think that's again the the really positive thing about healthcare because people want to do the absolute best they can they're always on the lookout what's the latest information of its if it's a, a a clinician they've read the latest literature if they haven't you can be pretty sure the patients have when they come in with everything they've down loaded from uh, from whatever website they've been on so there's a constant quest to uh, to be out there to be learning and to come up with uh... uh with new ideas so uh, I mean, maybe it's uh, maybe it's luck. Maybe it's it's uh, it's the organizations I've worked in. But I've certainly uh, always found creativity to be something that is uh, that's always there in spades.
4: I think also if you if you're talking about individual and individual creativity, it's somewhat different than talking about a culture of creativity, a culture of innovation. And I think one of our biggest challenges is we often take that for granted. The focus on what is your culture, what is what's happening at the grassroots of your organization, and uh, you know we've spent at kids a lot of time on this over the last year because we're known for being innovative. Well, what is it about us that's innovative, and what's not? We're not innovative on everything, and how do we really think about it and talk about it and. And what's the language that comes from leaders? So it's the, instead of saying, we don't do it that way, or that's not the way we do it, it's it's, how do you really change the dialogue? And I think that the, the, the future success of healthcare organizations is innovation, is thinking about things in a very dramatically different way. Not about chaos and having one person in each area doing things differently, but really understanding. And I don't know that we understand innovation well enough, especially in healthcare. There are phenomenal creative things that go on, no question about that. I mean, we have a great healthcare system and delivery because of the innovative minds of our scientists, the innovative minds of practitioners, and learning from our experiences. I think if we can figure out a way to be much more uh, focused on what have we learned from that? And how do we create stronger cultures of innovation? We'll be in a much stronger place long-term.
1: I'm going to ask uh, one more question of each of the three, and then, then, I'll, uh, then I'll put it uh, out to the audience. Um, you, it sounds uh, like you've all been in the healthcare system for somewhere around the, uh, the same amount of, uh, of time. As you look back on what things were like and what sort of people were coming in at that time versus now... Um, what do you see as differences in the folks who are entering your system at at, at uh, 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 the bottom of the system the youngest uh, the apprentice level if you will versus uh, when you were entering the system and what do you like better about that situation now and what do you like not you know not as well,
4: yeah. well so, so, great 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 question um, you know the People entering today are much smarter than we were. (laughs) Uh, People entering today I think are much more thoughtful about what it is that they want in in a broader world. You know, I, I mentioned globalization and I we all again it's another word we all use quite often. What does that mean and look like? The, the people we're working with today are very different from the people of the past in that they've traveled the world, they understand healthcare in a broader context, they want to make a difference not just at the bedside, not just in your organization, but in a much much broader sense. So there's, so, there's the notion of, um, of the world at, at their at their fingertips. I think there also is a big challenge in our systems. We're looking at many generations of delivery Right, anywhere from a 22-year-old to a 75-year-old and all that that brings. And when you're talking about the delivery of patient care and the burden that that has on, your, on the mind, on the body, and on the soul, it, uh, it does vary from generation to generation. We need to be very thoughtful about how we lead the complexity of uh, our of organizations against that.
3: When I first walked into a hospital, uh, I... Understood that it was my job to carry out uh, the day-to-day work of, uh, of patient care, completely oblivious to the significant infrastructure that was supporting me, and completely uh, uh, disconnected to the broader the, the broader healthcare system. I think that's quite different today as well. If uh, uh, if young uh, healthcare workers enter the system without those uh, bits of information it's uh, introduced to them very, very quickly, and again, my, my experience is that they respond to that broader uh, approach to healthcare. Okay.
2: Uh, if okay. I think when I entered as a, as a student nurse, I mean, I think there was a fair bit of hierarchy. There wasn't a fair bit, there was a lot. Okay. Uh, it, it was fairly hierarchical, and, ner- and nurses knew their place, and it certainly wasn't gonna be the top of anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and uh, it was it was a different uh, different world then. I think uh, the positive thing now is, uh, as Mary Jo said, I mean people uh, come into healthcare whether it's nurses uh, uh, or other clinicians that uh, one have a uh, um, a much broader expectation of what their role could be. Uh, and so it's not really limited by a particular uh, activity that they might be doing. Uh, but the other thing is they actually expect a lot more of their employers. I mean, you, when I came in, I would be, you know, whatever the employer was offering was really what I I, I expected. They, they formed my expectations for me. That's not the case now. Uh, uh, Our new uh, 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 staff members uh, are really uh, 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 very strong in advocating for what they think is important and I don't I don't mean a salary. I mean things like, okay, are you going to develop me? Are you going to give me opportunities? Uh, for learning, are you going to expose me to, as we talked about, uh, uh, complex environments, and uh, ambiguous environments. So it's a, it's a great learning experience because uh, uh, it's quite a different group.
1: Terrific, thank you. There is a roving mic. If you put up your hand, we can probably have one or two questions before anybody had a question. Way back there. And, and was there another one over here?
4: Is there one? Okay.
1: And tell us who you, you. are.
4: Uh, my name is Lynette Manderson, and I work for Shoppers Drug Mart uh, Specialty Health Network. And I guess my question is in regards to the relationship between the public and private sector. And I'm wondering what uh, characteristics that you see in um, leaders within the public sector, what, um, how they would benefit in the in the private sector, and vice versa.
3: say the last part of your
4: question again? Sure. I'm wondering how uh, the benefits of a, a leader coming from a public sector would benefit the private industry and vice versa. I think that we've had a tradition of, of learning from each other, from uh, private and public sector. And I can recall very early in my career um, an opportunity to step out of the hospital. And I think that at the time the vision was, or the thinking was, there's lots to learn from the private sector, go on out and learn from the private sector. I would challenge today, there's lots to learn from the public sector, and I think there's lots to learn from each other, and those partnerships and understanding, both from the complexity of organization, um, the way we, we do business, understanding, again, from the private sector, especially if you have anything to do with the healthcare field really understanding what's at the core of both delivering care, um, the discovery of new, new knowledge within, within the construct of research, perhaps. Um, there is lots to learn from each other. It's a two-way thing.
2: I would say the same, in fact, uh, I mean, one of the things I often talk about is the fact that people, are, if you're going to spend your whole career in healthcare, you should actually get experience in a variety of sectors. So for instance, uh, uh, hospitals, that's fine, but we manage patients for a relatively short period of time. These individuals come from the community, they work in the community. So what about doing some time in public health? Government, if you don't understand how government works, you're severely disadvantaged because they're the biggest funder. They, they, they set the policies that you have to, uh, 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 have to follow. They, they think like no other group thinks, and I'm not saying that in a negative way, it's just that they're a different sector. So I'm saying get some experience there. I'd say the same thing with, uh, with private sector and, and vice versa. I think you bring all of those experiences, bring a much broader uh, perspective when you're trying to manage and lead in in healthcare.
3: The reciprocal nature, though, is, is a really
2: important—it's a really important point.
3: Uh, I mean, typically, we would have—we would have uh, imagined ourselves to look to the private sector for in the areas of efficiency, and customer service, uh, quality. But uh, the the public system has become quite adept in in, in those uh, realms as well. So, uh, so that give and take concept—that learning about uh, all aspects, public, private, uh, civil sector—are are, are really critical.
1: Thank you for the question. In the interest of time, I think uh, uh, we need to uh, draw to a close. Uh, we were supposed to talk about women leadership in healthcare, and I sort of steered more away from that because of, I wanted to hear from these three great women uh, leaders in, in healthcare what was on their minds. I did, however, hear that it's really important to be highly self-aware, be in control of your emotions, be very much into mentorship, into relationship building having a productive a combination of optimism and fatalism. And so what i come away thinking is that if men really work hard, <laughs> they, they, they've got a chance to be CEOs too. <laughs> they, 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 thank you for your insights. Those were, those were all uh, terrific. Back over to you.
0: I'd like to call Helen Bernston, past president of the Canadian Club of Toronto, to the podium.
5: Well, thank you. Um, it's my pleasure to thank today's guests, and let me start by thanking our panel. This has been a fascinating discussion, and we are very fortunate at the Canadian Club to have had with us three intelligent, insightful, and inspiring people to provoke new thinking and challenge some conventional wisdom. So thank you, Janet Davidson, Catherine Zahn, and Mary Jo Haddad for joining us today and sharing your thoughts on leadership, health care, and to some extent, the unique role that women are playing in those arenas. And a very special thank you to our moderator and provocateur, Roger Martin, Dean of the Rotman School of Management. Thank you, Roger, first of all, for agreeing to take on this daunting assignment in the first place. And uh, you've proven yourself more than capable of engaging three powerful women in a lively, frank, and elegant discussion. And the final thanks goes to our audience. And I'll turn the podium back to Nick Chambers to do that.
0: Thank you, Helen, special guests, and once more, Ernst & Young, for making today possible. This concludes our television programming, which has been broadcast live on Rogers TV. We are grateful to Rogers TV and 680 News for their continuing promotion of Canadian Club events. This meeting is now adjourned.